Yeah, Rob popped up the overlay. podcast. My name is Rob. Hi, I'm Trisha. And I am the uh, guest Russian, Talia. <laughs> the guest Russian. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because to- cool titles are cool. And I am Wade the Hidden. Wade the Hidden. Wade, it's nice to actually like have you on a stream finally. What so we've tried it a couple times, but we got lucky and it worked this time. I actually just decided to change browsers. Oh, and it's amazing it how that works. That is crazy how that works. Um, I am currently sharing the stream to groups on Facebook. Uh, a big part of the show tonight is going to be discussing you. Ukraine and Russia. We've all seen a shit ton of bad takes um, or just simply uninformed takes. And we're going to try to shed some light on the situation because there's a lot to it and there's a long history to the conflict that is going on today. There's definitely more shiitakes than a Japanese farm. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yeah, and so um, I will know that that is the primary reason that I am here right now. Um, I have been studying uh, the Russian situation um, extensively over the past few months. Really, ever since the escalation started last year, I've really stepped up and re-intensified my studies on the region in really post-Soviet Russian history. So that is why I'm a, um, this podcast was so gracious enough to invite me here, and I'm very honored to be here. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to help shed some light and also be here to answer any questions that you guys may have. Awesome. We appreciate so, it. Thank I, you, Tyler. I can't, no problem. I can't help but notice that uh, Emperor Palpatine is joining us. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let the chaos commence. Hello, James and Emily. Uh, and our one Twitch viewer. We have a viewer on Twitch. That's exciting. Are you friend or foe? <laughs> no IFF squawk. Fox 2. Fox 2. <laughs> Goodness. God, I've played um, way too much Ace Combat in my life. Um, it's it's been kind of nice lately. We've gotten a few trolls that have been entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's okay. I'm a, I mean, my goal is to sound like a conservative to you guys, a liberal to um, uh, um, to the conservatives, a leftist to the far right, and a uh, 
well, I don't want to ever say far right or to the leftist, so, you know. I just simply aim to be a purveyor of historical and modern fact. Which sucks because I can't so independent opinion. to it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing is, unfortunately, unlike Vladimir Posner, I am not a independent journalist. I am simply a thinker and a student of history and arguably a historian because guess who actually has a history degree? That's what's said. What does that mean, yeah, Jack? I uh, I consider myself an amateur historian. I mean, hey, still, um, as long as you actually reach it, that's important. So, as you see, I have a handful of books. <laughs> um, I have books, except I'm currently moving, and they are all packed up in boxes at the new place, ready to be unpacked. The oh, ones we, have, uh, we have Chelsea and killed. Kyle. <laughs> we have both of us. Welcome, Chelsea and Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Hey, everyone. I will be right back. It's getting chilly in here. I got to kick my heater on. Sorry. That's fair. That's fair. Yep. Shouldn't be as chilly as last night, though. It was 34 degrees here in fucking Phoenix, Arizona. That's pretty impressive. It's like he's rubbing yeah. it in your face. <laughs> no, when I was 60 degrees and sunny earlier, that was rubbing it in your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you guys definitely have cold nights, though. Like, even during the summer and stuff, right? What was that? Yeah, relatively cool nights. Like, it, it gets... You don't really have humidity. Oh, in the summer. So there's um, pretty big swings. I mean... For most of the summer, yes, but like the hottest month, it's just like it's 90 degree lows and 110 degree high. There's no hot dogs, James. It was 90 degrees this morning when I went to work. Chili dogs, I can get it. It's shrimp boil night tonight. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a grill in 15 degree weather, so I'll take it. There. Okay, so um, I guess context on the uh, situation there is. Um, do you just want to like take it from the top and give us a brief rundown of uh, the history of the regions in question? Okay, namely, um, I would love to. So, um, you for anyone actually, I'm just going to start on the with the most relevant period of history, and that is the post fall of Soviet Union. So essentially NATO expansion into Eastern Europe, um, Russian attempts to enter NATO, and all the steps that essentially followed. So of course, as we all know, back in 1991, the Soviet Union was disbanded, essentially in the back of the woods, um, by Boris Yeltsin and a couple of other SSR presidents, or Soviet, I hate even say um, SSR presidents because that makes absolutely zero sense. But essentially the Soviet Union was agreed to be disbanded. And so as a result, you have all these new states um, uh, like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, um, Poland, um, Ukraine, in the case we misspeak, I do apologize. And what essentially you have happened is Russia is now on its own, an independent state, no longer part of the Soviet Union, and loses a lot of its relevance, is very economically weak, it takes on the entire debt of the Soviet Union, and they essentially dig themselves into a very deep hole. And then you have, um, and then you have Boris Yeltsin, who for better, for um, uh, 
with all due respect, was not exactly the greatest president in the history of the world. And Russia just keeps falling deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Vladimir Putin then takes over after the 1999 Unmasked Alto War. And this is where things really do start to get interesting. Putin actually expresses interest in having Russia join NATO. And his request essentially was, let us skip some of the steps, let us join the alliance, that way, you know, we can be friends. It's like in the 80s, especially between the Russians and Americans, it was like, oh, hey, Gorby, you know, we're all going to be friends one day. And as we know, Russia has now essentially been thrust into irrelevance by the West. And so after Putin's request to skip some of the steps and joining NATO were denied, you then start to see NATO expansion keep growing and growing and growing to the point where there are several countries on the Russian border that are part of NATO, particularly the Baltic states. And now the Ukraine, I'm sorry, Ukraine, I, ethnic Russian, I have a habit of saying the Ukraine. Just to start seeing the Ukraine region of Russia, apparently. <laughs> um, but essentially, you have the Ukraine now becoming closer and closer to the West. And this may not be as big of an issue if NATO agreed that Ukraine would never join. However, in 2008, there was a statement given by NATO that Georgia and the Ukraine would be welcome into NATO if they so chose. And this is essentially when you see a very sharp turning point in the rhetoric and actions of Vladimir Putin. Prior to 2008 and prior to, um, I believe it was in Bucharest, the Bucharest um, decree essentially stating that Ukraine and Georgia would be welcomed into the alliance while Russia would not be welcomed in, that Putin then says, okay, I have interests I have to protect. We're no, Russia will no longer be part of, or Russia will not be welcomed into the Western part of the world, or will no longer be welcomed into the West. So this is when you see Putin secure his assets in Georgia. And then after the uh, Maidan revolution or the uh, so-called revolution of decency overthrows Viktor Yanukovych's government, and essentially has the rise of a pro-Western government, that is when you see um, Putin start using his military assets in Russia to first and foremost annex the Crimea in order to secure the port of Sevastopol. Because let's be honest here, the only reason the Crimea really matters to Russia is that Black Sea port, because warm water ports, if you know much about Russian history, has played a extremely significant role in where Russia has decided to um, uh, invade, and try to conquer just to have those warm water ports. And in case you don't know what a warm water port is, essentially it means that it is never iced over at any point in the year. So while the Arctic Ocean ports may have ice and may become impassable, a warm water port is always able to have ships dock, have goods offloaded. Essentially, it's so commerce can commence or commerce can continue. And um, in the Ukraine, you have um, the Crimea be annexed for Sevastopol, but then you have the region of the Donbas which um, uh, now has the Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics. And notice I am using the Russian pronunciations here. Um, that is just simply as a result of my, um, my background. Just like I still spell Kiev, K-I-E-V, instead of um, K-Y-I-V. Personal, personal preference, um, I tend to use a Russian spelling. And so you have these mostly ethnic Russian areas that Putin is trying to, Putin is sending assets in in order to take over. That is well agreed upon um, that these are Russian for Russian forces being used in an attempt to take over these areas and secure them for the Russian government. And then essentially you have things essentially remain in a stalemate for several years. Russia is continually given second, 
secondary uh, status in, in the world stage by the West. And essentially Putin's goal is to ensure that Russia maintains a relevance in the wider world. And so just kind of backtrack a little bit to why um, Russia not being allowed into NATO by skipping a few steps is so significant. Simply put, it is the West saying to Russia, essentially, oh, well, you lost the Cold War. Now you get to go be a loser and you get to stand in line with all the other insignificant countries that are nowhere near as powerful as you that we, ne- that we don't care at all about. Essentially, screw you, get in line, get in back. You can go through the entire process just like everyone else. Um, and so throughout this entire instance of Russia just constantly being kicked off to the curb, essentially Putin had enough of it, and the Russian people have had enough of it. The relations between America and Russia are not only the lowest that they've ever been, they're also the most distrustful that they've ever been. And this is where I'm drawing very heavily from Vladimir Posner's talk that he gave at Yale a few years ago called How the United States Created Putin. And essentially... Um, and this was given a few years ago, but it's still relevant today. Um, back in 1983, the uh, NATO alliance, I believe with a couple of non-NATO states as well, conducted what was called Able Archer 83, essentially a, a military war game that simulated a full-out Russia, a full-out nuclear strike. And there was actually a glitch in a Russian computer system that showed nuclear missiles being launched at Russia, while a lone individual, wish I could remember his name right now, um, was like, this doesn't make sense to me. I believe that this is a glitch. And he decided not to retaliate despite orders to the contrary, either despite orders or despite conventional wisdom to the contrary. And there, that took a very significant level of trust in order to not launch nukes. And so um, this uh, that level of trust that we once had is gone now. My greatest fear about this conflict breaking out and this is me editorializing a bit, I do apologize for going outside my bounds. Um, My main concern with this conflict is not necessarily an intentional nuclear strike, it is an accidental nuclear strike and an accidental nuclear exchange. Um, That is a very real concern um, that, despite my personal opinions about the war, definitely do concern me about Putin's incursion into the Ukraine. no matter the result, we do have to definitely be concerned about what the accidental, accidental ramifications may be in the near future. That's fair. Um, so this this whole thing started back in, th- this conflict, I should say, started back in what, uh, 2014, right? 2014 is correct, yes. Okay. So this has been building up for eight years and um, I, I mean, in terms of troop movements, how would you feel if you were in Putin's shoes and NATO was massing troops in Poland? Um, so I think having the massing troops in Poland argument is a little bit different compared to um, what Putin is doing. Um, a better comparison may be NATO amassing troops in the, Bal- in the three Baltic states, so in Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. But ultimately, um, if I were Putin and if I were um, in the Kremlin right now, or well, not right now, but let's just say two years back, and I'm looking at the situation and I am seeing an increasingly more likely um, risk of the Ukraine being admitted into NATO, I would have to ask myself, how am I going to stop this? Um, And I believe that one of my main answers would be a uh, um, 
would be to either have a buildup around the Ukraine and attempt to get an agreement um, to have uh, the Ukraine never be admitted into NATO, or I would actually go in like he is now with that same intention. Um, and so I'm just going to answer the question that just came in real quick. Um, assuming NATO chooses not to intervene in the Ukraine, what is the likelihood of additional conflicts in the region? Do I think Putin would continue beyond the Ukraine? Um, so beyond the Ukraine, the only region that I can really see Putin going into um, would be in Moldova, namely the Trans um, uh, Transnistria region. I know I'm grossly mispronouncing that. I do apologize. Um, mostly because that that is a area of Moldova, very small, very tiny, that actually still flies the Soviet flag. Um, so I could see Putin going in there, but beyond that, I do not see him going anywhere else, simply due to the fact that he does not want to risk triggering Article 5, not because of the European members of NATO, but because he does not want to get involved with the United States in a, uh, in a sort of uh, kinetic armed conflict. Okay. Um, so like the, the Minsk agreements, the, uh, the ceasefire that they had been operating under, um, it seems to me like Ukraine has broken that, that ceasefire agreement in more than one way and more than one time. So like if we were to turn the tables, right. And it was the U S, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to word it. If it was the U.S. and Russia's shoes, it would be a completely different conversation. Yeah. Is, I guess, basically the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah, and, I'm, and, I, and I feel like you're kind of echoing on my James, uh, James's sentiment here, and you're exactly correct. And so um, the overall idea of the Minsk, of the Minsk Accords or the Minsk Agreement um, was very good. Essentially, it gives special status to the um, uh, Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republics in an attempt to quell the fighting, which in and of itself is a very good idea, and I wish that it could have worked. Um, ultimately, though, as we've witnessed, both sides, or well, I should say all sides, have really broken the agreement on multiple fronts, or that's a terrible term to use here, in multiple ways. Um, for example, you know, the DPR and LPR you know, continue fighting and actually, you know, firing at the Ukrainians and vice versa, um, as well as the DPR and LPR, for all intents and purposes, not being given the special status that they were supposed to have been given. Um, well, yeah, Ukraine won't even directly negotiate. Exactly. And that with. goes to say that that basically tells you everything that you need to know about how um, about how intact the uh, the agreement was. So basically in contract law, um, I say this as someone who's in law school right now, best example I can give is that um, whenever you get to the point of there being a material breach, like you still have to uphold your end of the bargain, um, even if the other person has clearly broken their end of the deal, um, just as an effort of good faith. Because um, I believe that the Minsk agreement was legally binding. I may be wrong about that, but I believe it was. Um, and so once it got to the point where it was clear that one, that one side was not going to uphold their end of the bargain, then it is fair for the other side to pull out. Now, I'm, of course, me not necessarily being a big fan of war in any sense of the imagination. Um, I'm not going to comment any further on that. So um, I will yield back. What is your take on this fascist government that took over in Ukraine as of that coup in 2014? Because 
from what I'm seeing, um, the the people who are the separatists in those two regions, they declared their independence in 2014, going, well, wait a minute, we don't want anything to do with this government that was just formed via coup. And I feel like they have the right to go, no, we, we get to assert our independence and have it recognized, but that fascist government has caused a lot of harm. Um, to me, I, I question their validity themselves because they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Western influence. Yeah, and so um, th those legitimacy questions, I believe, are definitely fair. And so um, I know that um, uh, a couple of my friends are watching this right now who are not as well up to date um, uh, with with why we're using the term fascist here regarding the, uh, um, the current government in Kiev. And that is mostly due to the fact that there were several um, battalions, so to speak, or factions during the uh, so-called Revolution of Dignity that were using Nazi insignia such as the SS symbol, and I also believe the German Eagle in a few occasions as well. I don't want to say for sure one way or the other on the swastika front. Um, yes, there you are right there, also lightning bolts. Um, and so there was a lot of, and I believe very fair arguments that um, there were a lot of pro-Nazi, if not flat out neo-Nazi sentiments in, in during the revolution. Um, which, of course, is arguably been echoed with some of the repressive laws that the Ukrainian government has passed against the Russian language, such as banning Russian print media, demanding that all print media be published in uh, Ukrainian. This is, if memory serving correctly, um, I, did, I did a quick refresher earlier today. Um, and so, but to answer your actual question, um, I don't want to give too much of a personal opinion here because my goal is to remain as objective as possible. But ultimately, the question that everyone needs to ask is, how do you view legitimacy with regards to a government? Do you view, um, and this is one of those things that you may have to contextualize, do you view every system of government that is um, uh, overthrown or that is installed by a coup to be legitimate or illegitimate? Or do you only view that government to be legitimate based on outside influences? So for example, um, if there was a uh, coup in, I'm just going to make up a country or just pick a random country here. Um, Portugal, for example, um, that was, um, that had Chinese influence exerted over it and therefore they overthrew their current system and installed a, uh, um, a pro um, a commun a Maoist style of communism uh, in the country. Would that be illegitimate because of um, the Chinese influence? If the answer to that question is yes, then your answer to the question of the current Ukrainian government must also necessarily be yes. So in my mind, um, international recognition does play a decently large part in whether or not a government is legitimate. However, that is not the only factor that, um, and I know I said I wasn't gonna give my personal take, but here's my personal take. Um, Due to the nature of the influence, I do believe that there was a very significant portion of the Ukrainian population that wanted stronger relations with the European Union. That is totally fair, and they wanted, and they also wanted to move away from, uh, um, from being so closely tied with Russia. I do understand that. However, the level of Western influence that appears to me to have existed does seriously weigh against the current Kiev regime being legitimate. 
You also have all sorts of issues with alleged corruption in the Zelensky government, as well as the Petro Poroshenko um, uh, um, uh, regime, and to the point where Poroshenko was actually arrested um, under uh, um, uh, um, uh, under political guise, essentially. Essentially, it is it, Poroshenko appears to have been arrested for political means. And just one second, a channel. Um, uh, let me just refresh myself on. Uh, That's what I'm um, doing too. You want to land? Sorry, what was that? I said that's what I was doing too. Would you like a link? Um, yes, please. Thank you. It's from the un.org website. That seems that seems a somewhat legit. I would hope. Um, Hashtag sarcasm. While you guys look up that stuff, I I want to add. I think that an ethical stance should definitely be a bigger facet in this than say you know influences from other areas of the world of whether they want to recognize something is valid or not i think ethics should play a huge factor in this because uh there's a world of difference between say if in in that imaginary scenario of portugal going you know what we would rather go to a communist situation because we're tired of the exploitation that is happening with capitalism versus this situation that we are really dealing with, with the Ukraine, having been taken over by literal fucking Nazis. It's a problem. That is a huge ethical problem that, you know, to me, I think bears more weight in this than anything else that they absolutely have the right to go, fuck that. We're not going to be ruled by Nazis. We declared our independence when that shit happened. And now all of a sudden it's supposed to be, you know, the brink of war because Russia recognizes that independence that they declared eight fucking years ago. You know, yeah, I think um, anybody would have the right to say they don't want to be ruled by Nazis. Yeah, and I, I do agree I with that. that. Um, but there, I'm a, I do also see, I think we also need to understand the idea of um, of the those legitimate Ukrainians who did want who genuinely were without undue Western influence um, of participating in the Maidan revolution. Um, there, because there were people who genuinely did believe in that and not everyone who participated in the, um, in the revolution were Nazis. Were there a large number of fascists in the revolution? Of course there were. Um, and I just want to note that the uh, ethical considerations I'm definitely with you on um, 100, 100%. And the hypothetical I just raised just so happened to be one frankly, mostly directed towards people who do support the current regime in Kiev, um, just to be like, hey, if you're trying to be consistent here, it wasn't so much directed towards people here. Just just want to clarify that real quick. Um, and also, is it okay if I answer Natalie's question real quick? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so Natalie, um, I do believe, um, so basically what I've seen, and also based on um, Putin's prior actions, that would not surprise me Putin doesn't tend to go after um, those groups. Rel religious groups, I'm a bit more skeptical on, but however, um, uh, um, uh, with regards to the LGBTQ plus community, there are there is a definite threat with that. And that is one reason that we do definitely need to be concerned about the Russian incursion into the Ukraine. Um, Putin has demonstrated time and time again that he is no friend of um, of the LGBTQ plus community. We've seen that based on his um, so-called anti-propaganda anti laws and things of the sort. 
Um, and so I think we do definitely need to be wary of this. Um, and is also another really good reason that we shouldn't necessarily support the current um, the current incursion. Yeah, that's fair. And we, we've talked on this show quite a bit in the past about Putin. And um, I don't know, just in case it does need to be said, I don't think any of us are here to try to paint Putin as a good guy or anything like that. But at the end of the day, NATO shouldn't be getting involved. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that Putin's a good guy. It means that somehow Ukraine manages to be worse. Right. Yeah, and um, ultimately a very lar large portion of that, um, of the anti-Ukraine sentiment, I think, I'm um, stemming from uh, at least this current um, group right here, um, does stem from the fact of the way that the that the current Kiev regime did rise to power, I believe, um, due to a the corruption, b the influence, and also c the beliefs of many members of the uh, um, of the revolutionaries or of the um, of the coup plotters or coup actors. And also, Natalie, you're welcome. Before we forget, um, were you guys able to find what you needed to add context to the question about the Vienna Convention and how that would apply to the Ukraine coup? Um, unfortunately, I'm still um, kind of sort of reading through and I've been speed reading so much I've absorbed um, approximately jack shit, so. Gotcha. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel that, but it's a 16-page <laughs> document uh, governing diplomatic relations. Um, but I think it's important to note that these diplomatic relationships have been broken down. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So honestly, I believe that there may be some relevance there. I just, I mean, if if I'm being totally honest with, you, I'm just gonna have to punt on this one and just say that, frankly, I just I just don't know. Um, yeah, I'm that's not and yeah, we, we can't really spend the time to read a 16-page document on the fly. <laughs> right, but we we can look into that later and touch on that next week when when we can actually fully address it when we've had some time to read through that. Yeah, and I do apologize for not being um, uh, as well-versed um, uh, on that document as I should have been. Unfortunately, um, I can genuinely say that throughout my entire time um, I was obtaining my history degree that um, the Vienna Convention came up approximately zero times. So, in, in given the fact that I'm a... <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, it's it, it is unfortunately one of those things. And, and I will note that I did um, uh, actually write a... Uh, I believe it was a 33-page paper on Nikita Khrushchev and um, uh, um, and essentially on what his three strikes were um, that led to his ouster. So, um, uh, yeah. I do apologize for not knowing enough about that. I, that's oh, okay. Uh, I mean, there's always going to be random questions on the fly that just aren't possible to be answered in the moment because it takes too much research, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, as much as as much of a, um, a realist as I try to be, um, uh, because so basically, I, the one thing I meant to mention in my um, uh, in my intro is that my foreign policy stance is essentially that of realism. 
Um, so if you'd like to know a very influential realist thinker, I'm um, John Mearsheimer. Um, he's, um, he's out of the University of Chicago, I believe. He's an excellent, excellent thinker. And you can really mirror my views and his views on foreign policy. And they basically go exactly in line. Um, they basically align perfectly. And James, um, I just want to um, uh, comment on your issue with the sanctions. Um, Putin is very much concerned about sanctions. Um, so we have this idea that sanctions don't work, largely because the United States is, especially, and I'm assuming that you're in the U.S. here, um, the uh, the U.S. is essentially immune from a lot of sanctions right now. The really the last time that we felt any sort of real, arguably maybe actual effects from sanctions were back during the oil shortages of the 1970s, um, and that may even be a bit of a stretch. But so essentially sanctions really do hurt. That's what got Iran to the table um, with the nuclear deal that is now essentially just gone. And it will definitely hurt Putin. Um, maybe not right now, but in, over the next, over the upcoming months, they will definitely hurt Putin. And um, it is a bloodless way to ensure that um, uh, the conflict, well, maybe not ensure, but at least help the conflict um, uh, either slow down or come to an end because yeah, the goal it this, also it also hurts the people in the process depending it, on it how does but ultimately that is some um, uh, ultimately that's just a reality of war um the question yeah. at that point is okay so do so would you rather have the west get involved militarily and actually send troops in in order to be able to fight on behalf of the ukraine or would you rather have them use these sanctions that will result in much less bloodshed that's essentially among the dichotomy that we'll be facing right here. I mean, I would like to uh, have the U.S. focus on the U.S. and leave the rest of the world alone. Preferably. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, that's just not the reality that we live in. That That is um, what we prefer. But um, uh, given the alternative of the U.S. going to war against Russia, um, I would much prefer sanctions. And if I'm being honest with you, um, I have not been a fan of the Biden presidency whatsoever, um, especially given the fact that gas has um, uh, gone up more than double where I live. Um, and uh, definitely, and as a dancer, it definitely does restrict on where I can go for work. Um, but at the same time, this is the one thing I can confidently say that he absolutely nailed. Um, the sanctions he isn't going all in right away he's giving putin a chance to come to the bargaining table and ultimately concessions are going to have to be made by the west in order to end this conflict what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to agree to never allow the ukraine into the nato alliance that is putin's number one thing you're also probably gonna have to take georgia off the table and agree to not have moldova enter into the alliance as well i don't think um, putin would require there to be um uh, um, essentially a kicking out of the Baltic states. But as long as you agree to not allow Georgia, the Ukraine, or Moldova into the alliance, I think that he would be willing to roll his troops back. Yeah, but what happens if that doesn't work? Um, well, then you just have an all-out war. Um, but ultimately, I don't think that that, that, that would not um putin ultimately is not an unreasonable man he can be reasoned with and he's also not stupid he knows what the limits of russia are he knows he cannot stand up to the entirety of nato he knows that if article 5 gets triggered he's fucked and so really the best way for him to handle that 
would be to essentially force Ukraine to the table and be able to achieve his agenda that way rather than simply through conquest. Because even if he does, um, uh, you know, take over the entirety of the Ukraine and either absorb it into the Russian Federation or have a puppet installed, there's still that would only um, uh, encourage NATO to welcome Moldova and Georgia into the NATO alliance. In which case, did does he really win? I think ultimately his goal is to get those concessions and to have as um, uh, little bloodshed as possible. Because that's the best way to shore up his legacy. Um, since we are on the topic of this extending to resources, um, I'd like to bring up this gas pipeline that has been getting, you know, put in place to be built from Russia to Germany. Yeah, Nord Stream right now, 2. What's that? Um, Nord Stream 2. I was just clarifying which one we were talking about. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, and this would be a huge benefit to the people of Germany and probably other parts of Europe that have been literally dying for some more natural gas because they need that to heat their homes, you know, mm. and they've had shortages there to the extreme. And here Russia is going, okay, let's build this pipeline we can supply you. But that's also a threat to the Western monopolization of fossil fuel resources. And I think that this is a huge facet that is affecting this whole situation that is not even being discussed enough because that does come into play when it comes to the games of politics being played here. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. Um, and, and that was a huge concession for Germany too. But when it was initially like being discussed, uh, the U.S. and Ukraine were very adamant um, about not allowing it to move forward. Yeah, and so the Nord Stream 2 pipeline issue, um, the, the fact that Germany actually took that off, it refused almost certification. Um, and the fact that natural gas is being used so extensively in Germany and so many parts of Europe for heating um, does say a lot. And I know that electric, um, uh, electric heating methods are typically more expensive. But I believe that you'll probably see a rise in, um, uh, in electric water heaters and electric furnaces um, as a result of this. Um, but the fact that Germany was willing to take Nord Stream 2 off the pipeline really goes to show just how much um, this, this incursion actually means to the Western powers. And with regards to there being a vice grip over natural resources, I see the point there. Um, but ultimately I believe that it is still the ultimate goal, no matter what, no matter which way we phrase it, isn't so much about the resources as much as it is, is about installing um, a liberal democracies and nation building essentially all over the world. Um, because liberal hegemony has been the foreign policy position of the West, particularly the United States ever since the fall of the Soviet Union. We saw it in Afghanistan, we saw it in Iraq, we saw it during the Arab Spring um, and, and, and through other um, portions of the world as well. And it has failed at every single point. And so while I do see, I definitely do see your point here, um, I just think that it isn't necessarily at the top of the priority list right now for the West. Because um, liberal hegemony ultimately is the goal. And while I 
living in a liberal democracy is great. There's definitely a hell of a lot of worse systems out there. Um, it's just simply not applicable to every single nation. And that is what the U.S. is trying to install in every single nation around the globe. That's pretty accurate. One size fits all. <laughs> Essentially, that's, that's what the goal is. The problem, though, that I see that is inherent to every one of those situations on that list is that it's typically installation of very fascist leaning liberal democracies. And that's problematic in and of itself. That, that's well, how fascist. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to take you off. That's how this has led to the Nazification of Ukraine over all you know, the last decade or so. Um, go ahead, Rob. Yeah. Speaking of the Nazification, do you take Putin at his word about demilitarizing and denazifying Ukraine? Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just have to, I just have to chuckle a little bit here um, because the, um, I, I think I, I do understand where Putin is coming from with what he says. But if I'm being totally honest with you, no, I don't. Um, the ultimate goal of Putin, um, the first and foremost goal, like I said earlier, is stopping NATO expansion into the Ukraine. But ultimately, as he said, um, this, the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest um, geopolitical disaster um, of the 20th century. And I believe I'm quoting him correctly there. And his goal is not so much to rebuild the Soviet Union because he doesn't want to install another communist state. Um, he, his goal ultimately is to, at least to the grace of his ability, reestablish the Russian Empire. Yeah, um, he he alluded to that in what was it? Monday gave his speech to the Russian people, and he alluded to that lens. Exactly. Yeah, and that was really and that was really the main goal um, of, of that speech, obviously. And so ultimately, whenever you have these kind of um, uh, dichotomies, um, the denazification is, frankly, in his mind, a good excuse to use because of how dear the Great Patriotic War is to Russians. You know, the Victory Day parades are still going strong, even um, almost, well, this is going to be the 77th anniversary of the end of the Great Patriotic War. Very dear to the hearts of Russians, very important to very many people. And so it's an excellent excuse to use for going in. Um, how effective is it? I'm not on the ground in Russia. Um, I don't have enough of an idea of what people are what people are thinking in Russia right now um, to really comment on that. But ultimately, I don't. That was just a purely rhetorical move. That is not one of his main goals. And the demilitarization aspect of it. Um, that was just an attempt for any people who may sympathize with him to lay down their arms or an excuse for him to actually use his troops in a uh, offensive uh, offensive manner. Fair. And John, to answer your question, everything. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the history of Ukraine more or less is what you missed john um to give a lot of context on what's going down today from a and, i think uh, i've actually remained relatively objective here so i'm kind of proud of that yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see your points, but uh, I don't know if I'm so objective. I mean, like, I, again, I'm not saying Putin's a good guy, but if I had to pick a side here, it wouldn't be NATO's. Um, um, my only, my only comment on this, yeah, my only comment on this is no comment, but you all know I'm uh, what my ethnic background is, so that's all I'm going to say on that. Fair enough. Um, and, and I know that I don't know you guys very well, but uh, the sarcastic smirk usually says everything you need to know. Yeah. So Chelsea and Kyle, I know, I know <laughs> you guys. No, I'm sitting here like thinking, no, it's totally fine. Um, I just, my problem is just with why is the U.S. interested in this? And so basically whatever the U.S. is doing, I just don't trust whatever their side is because there's some other reason and it doesn't matter what the fucking reason is. I, I think it's pretty simple. Um, so, I mean, I'm not coming from this from trying to pick a side because... It doesn't matter, but I know who the U.S. has been funding. So if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna pick one, I'm gonna pick that. And that's only because that is the U.S. that's making the decision. Otherwise, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be like we're involved. But now we are, and we know that every single thing that the U.S. decides to be involved in is a fucking nightmare. So. Yeah, we, we do have a good tendency of fucking things up. And so I'm just actually going, sorry to cut you off, Chelsea. Um, I'm just oh, you're fine. I mean, in. I don't really have much to go on other than that. I just don't trust, I don't trust the U.S.'s intentions in this. And so it doesn't really matter either way for anything. Okay, gotcha. Um, so um, just to answer my A-channel's uh, question, um, what will the internal impact of this conflict be on Russia? There have been some protests that's to be expected. What do I think will happen on the, that front going forward? Um, so this is actually going to be very interesting, and this is where the sanctions will really come into play. So I, the pro, my first approach is going to be is that the sanctions um, uh, never were put into place. Um, so without any sanctions being put into place, um, there would still be some protests, but ultimately Putin's popularity would soar because a lot of Russians ultimately see Ukraine as their brothers and sisters. In fact, Russians will oftentimes refer to um, Ukrainians as little Russians, um, which of course many Ukrainians take exception to, but that is ultimately in many cases more term of endearment rather than a term of um, uh, kind of putting down. So that's if the sanctions were never put in place or absolutely fail, which is unlikely um, uh, given how severe they are. Um, with the sanctions being put into place though, is where things get really, really interesting. And that is where we're really going to have to see how dedicated are the Russian people to this fight. Um, I tend to believe that they are fairly dedicated to it. So while Putin um, may um, suffer a little bit once the sanctions start to bite, the more and more success that he has inside of the Ukraine, the more and more popular the decision to go to war will be, and the more and the stronger and stronger the Soviet, or the Soviet um, the Russian resolve will become. And what people tend to forget is just how resilient the Russian people are. They forget that the Russians ultimately were the ones who really um, kicked the shit out of Napoleon. The Russians are the ones who, well, the Soviets are the ones who really won um, the Second World War. 
Without the Soviet Union, German, Germany almost surely wins. Um, Russians are great fighters. They also essentially defeated the, the um, Swedish Empire as well. I believe that was at Poltova was really the final nail in the coffin for that, um, uh, for, for Sweden. And so the Russians are very resilient. The question is, will they be as resilient as they have been in the past in the current day? Um, if the answer to that question is yes, I believe Putin will remain popular. If the answer to that question is no, things could become seriously um, uh, unstable inside of the Russian Federation to the point where Putin will likely have to, will likely be forced to pull out of the Ukraine. And I do not see the Putin regime continuing on much longer, um, uh, very long after that. And he's taken some interesting steps in the past, like for um, uh, goods that were generally imported. And I assume it's things that he was worried about being sanctioned to develop those within the country, such as meat. Like yeah. he, had a, he had a crazy uh, program, I, not not crazy. I just mean like for the way he ramped up on meat production and stuff and, and the people that he invited and stuff in to facilitate that. The, the yeah, skills and, that he tried to do really fast. I, yeah, and ultimately I'm a, the semiconductor, the the main thing that is going to harm Putin right now is going to be the semiconductor and um, electronics um, uh, sanctions. China can replace some of that, but will they be able to replace enough of it to offset all the sanctions from the Western countries? The answer to that question, I believe, is a very resounding no. And that may be um, where Putin ultimately suffers the most because you have the Russian Federation, which is this massive piece of land with most of the population and industrial power being focused in the, in the European portion of the country. And what may ultimately end up happening is they end up, Russia ends up losing the war of attrition. You know, as of um, uh, in the past, we really see Russia be able to um, use their industrial power with some assistance, like in the Great Patriotic War, with assistance from the US in order to be able to really beat back Nazi Germany. But the moment you take away that technological capability in the advanced fighters and advanced tanks with all the advanced thermal weaponry and all that, that require these semiconductors and these chips, you may really start to see the Russian military be significantly crippled. One of the things I was surprised about was, um, so a, a lot of countries sort of start modernizing their military uh, fairly recently. Like, I, I mean, they kind of got into an old pattern uh, and Russia's included in that. After they invaded Georgia, and they they it, it, they had to work a lot harder than they expected to 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 quell that. And um, I'm kind of wondering if this plays into what what you're talking about as far as uh, that, that kind of opened my eyes to um, how many uh, defense companies from the U.S. that they get products from and. I'm wondering if that touches on what, what you're talking about as far as that. Um, to an extent, yes. Um, not so much from the defense companies as much as just like general electronics um, uh, items. Okay. Because um, for the most part, um, at least to the best of my knowledge, Russia's defense industry is mostly um, self-contained. So unlike the U.S., which gets um, an absolutely mind-boggling amount of its parts, um, like chips and all that from China, um, I believe the F-35 has several Chinese chips in it, um, as well as other um, uh, weapon systems having um, a lot of Chinese parts. 
I believe Russia is mostly in house on that, but don't quote me on that. Um, Cause I know the, um, uh, the Sukhoi 57 felon or the Su 57 felon um, that's was initially a Russian India um, a joint venture, but that India dropped out. So it's now solely a Russian venture. The Sukhoi 35 is Russian. Um, Russia does a very good job of maintaining everything in house. Um, that includes rifles and all those other things. Um, okay. And so, um, I'm just going to kind of cut off that line of question if that's cool with you. Um, and I'm just gonna move on to a John's uh, comment real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't think we will see a first class war breakout between Russia and the U S. Um, I could, I honestly, I would see China getting involved in that war if it does become a first class conflict. Um, in which case, um, I don't even want to consider how catastrophic the result of such a war would be. Um, it would reshape the world, um, but not to the point where we're talking about superpowers. I won't say that much because I think we still are viewing a potential war um, through the lens of World War II, where, yeah, you know, there may be some nukes and all that, or a very long drawn conflict without any real lasting ecological consequences. Um, I still abide by um, Einstein's principle, though, of World War, I know not what weapons World War III will be fought with, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Um, yeah, that, that's just a type of conflict that I don't even want to imagine, if I'm being totally honest with you. And I'm not one to shy away from uh, serious uh, dystopian shit like that. That's how, that's how concerned I am about that. Yeah, I tend to agree with uh, what you said, that uh, China would probably get involved in that point. They have, this far anyway, been very, like, neutral um which i think says a lot i mean they're trying to like balance their trade with the us and they're you know not fuck that up and not fuck up their trade with russia but their relations have been increasing for years at this point and um i guess just to draw a parallel about taiwan a lot yeah and ultimately i do I do see um, World War III starting over Taiwan more than I see World War III start, starting over the Ukraine. I will say that much. Um, simply due to the fact that um, uh, the Ukraine is on the European continent and Taiwan is not. So that's a fair point, actually. I hadn't really considered that. Um, you mentioned at the beginning that there was an update that Russia was going to start a bombing campaign. Um, I haven't seen any updates on that, so I'm just going to assume that that was just a, um, uh, that that message I got was uh, inaccurate. Fair enough. Yeah. Because it, it was supposed to start within 10 minutes, and I have not seen anything um, uh, anything since then. So I'm, at, the, at this point, I'm just going to assume that that was bad info. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I've had this uh, this stream up of this uh, square in Kiev, and I haven't seen anything. Yeah, yeah and, and it is possible as well that um, uh, the initial plans were for Russia to do that, um, but based on some of the uh, situation, some of the stuff on the ground, such as the Kiev airport not being as uh, 
um, uh, as secure as Russia probably expected it to be by now, that may have caused things to be, uh, um, that may have caused a plan to change as well. Right. That's, that's very true, too. Yeah, honestly, my question for But I mean, how much of a resistance can the Ukraine put up? They're like, putting up a damn moment. good one right now. They are really putting up a damn good resistance right now. Um, the fact that they're actually taking territory, taking things back from the Russians, is not necessarily to be unexpected. But the fact that they are, in an, in and of itself, for them being as that class as they are, is remarkable. Um, but ultimately, the only thing that the Ukraine can do is slow down Russia. They will, in all likelihood, they will not be able to defeat them. And my guess, if I'm being totally honest with you right now, is that President Zelensky has left um, the capital. My guess is he's either in Lviv or, um, or I wouldn't be surprised if he's in Poland. He said yeah, I, three I, different fucking addresses or conversations with other world leaders today that he was not leaving the country, and that tells me that he is for sure leaving the country. Yeah, my honestly, I don't think he's even in Poland. I think he's probably in Germany. Really? Yeah. Um. So. It kind of brings another question in um, as far as uh, so I mean or, or I guess everybody's kind of touched on it as far as um, uh, Angela Merkel uh, did I say that right? Oh uh, yeah, Angela Merkel. Merkel. Yeah. See, I'm butchering names again. Um, so as far so so you had mentioned about like the. Um, as far as our negotiations about taking the gas off the table and, and like that's that's a big deal because i mean even uh biden had i don't know he clumsily said something about um that we just work around the issue of shutting gas off to, shutting the pipeline off and I'm like there's there's no just me internally speaking like there's there's no way that you can do that without killing people um right. how how much of that is uh, Merkel being complicit with uh, those needs versus, well, I mean, I guess being well, Germany. Time out. It's I'm Chancellor Scholz now, right? Yeah, yeah. Mer Merkel's yeah. been out for a month for a while now. Um, but to answer your question, um, which was involved in the uh, agreements. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm a, ultimately, we're in 20. Obviously, we're talking about the current political situation now. Um, in Truth be told, the fact that Germany waited until the very last minute to um, uh, refuse to certify the pipeline speaks volumes about how little they actually wanted to do that. Um, whenever people are cold, that is just like if, if people are starving. The risk of unrest is extremely high and would be too high for a government to simply do that willy-nilly. They do understand how risky it is. They understand how much hurt it will cause. Um, they understand that there likely will be some fatalities. I'm assuming that the German government has some sort of um, plans to uh, to mitigate that. So, and I know that Japan was actually going to be given a uh, excess of a liquefied natural gas from the United States. And so instead of Japan receiving that, that will instead be diverted over to European countries. I believe Germany is going to be the main recipient of that gas. Um, and the other important thing, though, to remember as well is that Nord Stream 2 was not yet active. Um, now, the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, that may be a different, um, uh, um, that may be a different story if that does get shut down. But ultimately, well, have, because I don't believe that 
all of the gas has been completely shut off from uh, from Russia has been completely shut off. Is that correct, or am I wrong on that? Because I believe that Europe is still receiving Russian gas. I, I can't imagine them cutting that off. Like, yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, exactly. But I, yeah, I mean, I I don't know the answer in short either. But I cannot imagine that they would be doing very well without Russian gas. Yeah, and so I think that um, ultimately they're putting in place emergency measures to um, receive gas from other areas to wean their dependence on Russian gas, especially if Russia decides to cut that off, um, which is still a very real possibility. Um, but then that could theoretically trigger Article 5 of NATO, not to mention all the fact that the gas would primarily target civilians, which would be an absolute disaster um, uh, for Russia to try to do um, something like that. So. Um, I, I don't On see the other gas. hand, Moscow froze their stock markets today. Really? I know we're not talking, at that point, we're talking about I mean, I heard that a casino rather than, you know, I mean, because I did, I, but. yeah, because I did know that, um, uh, um, uh, that, um, uh, the Russian stocks on um, uh, absolutely crashed and like, I think it was like the fourth or fifth worst crash in, uh, in stock history. So it was an absolutely massive um, uh, hit. And then the ruble is trading at the lowest that it's ever traded um, throughout the currency's history against the US dollar. Um, so, I mean, Russia is paying, already paying massive financial, it's already paying um, a massive uh, financial uh, losses or is already incurring mass financial losses, plus the fact that the Russian government or the Russian central bank is already having to start dispersing funds among two banks and companies in order to keep them afloat right now. So things are already very dire for Russia economically. The question is, um, how bad will it get? Um, that is possible, Natalie. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, the number that I'm seeing on my screen right now is 33%, but it could very well be worse than that. Um, I do not know exactly what the numbers were, um, uh, but either, either way, though, it is really bad because I'm seeing on Yahoo right now that it was 33%, and I believe that they're citing Bloomberg for that. Um, okay, yeah, so it, I'm a, it closed on a 33% lower. Um, but the next big question will be, will Russia be cut out of SWIFT, which is essentially the payment system for the oil and everything else? If Russia is cut out of SWIFT, we're talking about a whole different ballgame. I just want to be abundantly clear with that. Russia gets cut out of SWIFT. You're going to see massive ramifications for that in Russia. And that's when you're going to see gas get cut off. Um, and so I think that that's really why Germany is being pretty hesitant um, uh, on on putting that thing in place. Because that's really a nuclear option. Um, no pun intended, of course. But um, And I think that's also why Biden is also very hesitant to... Um, uh, to say that we're going to be cutting Russia out of SWIFT is because we know that if we do that, um, people are going to greatly suffer. Yeah, um, I believe the ruble, um, was it the ruble? Because um, I know a couple of Russian stocks did go down by 50%, but the market as a whole went down by 33%. Well, and the way that the markets ebb and flow throughout the day, it could have hit a point of being 50% lower and still come back up some and wobbled some more before closing time, you know. Um, yeah, but, but either but either way, though, AM, uh, whenever you're in a system like this, especially in a nation that is being um, uh, just absolutely hammered by the international community, you're not going to see a stock rebound by 17%. Um, 
you, you could, in theory, but the odds of that happening would be extremely slim. Not to be, I'm on, I'm not rude or anything in my response there, so. Just in like, you know, I've, I've seen crazy shit happen with the stock market. And yeah. I haven't looked at that today to see specifically like, you know, what the Russian stocks ebbs and flows were throughout the day. But uh, I'm actually going to see if I can. Uh, there we go. Let's pull the Moscow exchange. Yeah, if you can find something, get feel free to screen share too. Um, yeah. um, oh, wow. Yeah. So um, uh, the futures in the U.S. are down a fair bit. Of, well, about 135 points for the Dow. So rough going anywhere from about um, uh, down half a percent to, um, uh, to nearly one whole percent for the NASDAQ. Um, chart. There we go. Yeah. So. Um, Yeah, so it looks like um, uh, that chart was down about 20%, but I don't know. That's kind of, I, I almost wonder if I'm looking at the wrong thing. Let me just go over to Bloomberg because I'm better and I'm uh, more familiar with uh, Bloomberg's uh, stocks. And depending on where you looked, because like this morning, um, I don't know, I was doom and gloom and it had actually rebounded more than I thought it would. It yeah, um, I, was really, uh, I was really surprised with how the, um, the US stocks did, if I'm being totally honest with you. Yeah, same. But of course, Russia's um, uh, Russia is just getting absolutely pounded right now. So that's kind of the one thing that I do. I'm uh, see, Europe. Um, let's see, SP Euro. Don't not look at that. Denmark, France, Turkey, Bahrain, Deutschland, Russia. There we go. Yeah. So I'm um, uh, the uh, the Russian index was down 33 percent today. Down about a thousand points. There's um, an article I just found that's saying, you know, it wiped 200 billion from stocks today. Yeah, which um, uh, that just kind of goes to show just how much the hurt will be. And that's the level of hurt that will be felt um, uh, if the. Uh, what is going on? That that will be felt by the uh, by the everyday Russian. So these these sanctions will buy. Um, because if and remember that these that this stock drop was actually from before the sanctions were officially announced by the U.S., um, that's a really important distinction to make. Um, and I believe that um, the market closed even before um, the U.K. announced their sanctions. Um, also, I'm not sure what happened in the time since either, but there is um, something posted here from three days ago saying that the stock market had fallen by 17% that day too. Um, so it's taken a few yeah. hits. Yeah. I'm so, yeah, I see, I'm, I see the day that you're, uh, that you're referring to. But um, yeah, either way, this is, it's going to be absolutely brutal from, uh, for the Russian people. And ultimately this is, this is a cost of war. It must be Rob's it, It's got to be Rob's dogs. Yeah, he said he'd be back. back. <laughs> um, hold up. Let me see. I can probably be Ah, uh, there we go. All right. <laughs> that was Revolution Shea Puppy and Mario. 
announcing their presence. Yeah, and to answer uh, James earlier, if I don't know things, then I don't open my mouth. But really, I only have more opinions about uh, the U.S. trying to get involved than I do about the I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like I need to necessarily, like, it's interesting to hear about, like, I'm glad that we're talking about this, but like, I'm also not just going to be like, oh, I know all of these things, because I don't, so. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, it is important, um, because I've, I'm a, especially after 2016, um, and I'm getting like a holier than that type right now, and I'm not trying to, um, but I did eventually take up the practice of not forming an opinion about something until I knew about it. Um, Sometimes and, I'm uh, quiet, sometimes I'm not. So this yeah, yeah, yeah. where I'm just like, I don't have anything to say. So yeah. uh, that's why we do ask you about this. Do I trust the US? No, I do not. But right. everything else is much more complex than that. And I think the problem is is that everybody is mostly just taking a side right away when they don't listen to conversations like these whenever we're actually laying down what the conflicts are. So Mm -hmm. yeah right there's there's no clear lines that can be drawn of oh this is the good guy and this is the bad guy because so, nothing in reality is that fucking simple yeah exactly Definitely. like one of the, one of the ask more questions go ahead kyle what <laughs> one of the examples i used uh my you know a friend was joking with me like oh so you don't support ukraine like just you know just being cheeky with me um and uh Not i'm like government. yeah i know you're asking me to pick the lesser of two evils now if you ask me which side was less homophobic i'm in a bit of a pickle like it's uh you know what i mean like we can direct this as far as like socio-political um just in this particular scenario i i think it is i don't know it's it's uh we can divide ourselves however we want, but um, I, I think it's easy to see what's going on from a U.S. standpoint, or um, to see the the playbook that's being used. I mean, there's no way that we're going to make this better, right? Yeah, and even China and stuff like there. Uh, we never do. We never. I mean, make so there is a way that the U.S. can make this better here. Um, and I, and this is kind of like what I was saying earlier, where getting the Ukraine to the negotiating table and making some hard concessions is really going to be the best way to ensure, at least in my mind, a lasting peace. Um, you know, give the guarantees that the Ukraine will never join NATO, et cetera, et cetera, make it legally binding. And in that respect, the U.S. is going to be the only one who's actually going to be able to get the Ukraine to the table. Because right now, if um, Zelensky is like, I'm a president Putin, you know, I want to negotiate. He's going to say, fuck you. Um, and you really have to, I'm a come and you really have to have the U S get involved there because frankly, the U S is the only power that Russia respects enough to actually listen to. I'm a early spiel to reason with, I'm a, especially never comes to something as significant as I'm a, having the Ukraine come to the table. I'm a, to negotiate a peace. The question though is, will we do that? Uh, we never do. So yeah, I mean, but yeah. you know, sometimes I'm a, I'm sometimes there's a first for everything. So I do because, like you know, it always would seem like, oh well, you know, Russia's never going to invade, but here we are. Um, so I do think that 
especially in situations precarious as this, where we are dealing with um, such a nuclear superpower, um, that the U.S. would be willing to um, uh, kind of tuck its tail a little bit and be more willing to uh, um, to cooperate with um, with Russia here in an effort to avoid a nuclear conflict. I think. Which, um, no, I, I I definitely agree on that. Uh, like. So, so one of the things I thought was interesting is that uh, everybody, like all the major powers are showing a lot of restraint. And I, I mean, obviously the U.S. is going to dick wagon, uh, you know, supply a force that they can to the, like they can't just blatantly overstep their bounds as much as they want to. But uh, like um, China, it, just the way that they, they've been handling it, saying like, yeah, this is an invasion, just cautiously like not getting involved, but also um, not feeding into it. And the U.S. has done um, somewhat of that. They, they've, been, they've been treading more cautious than usual. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's disturbing as far as clearly everybody's concerned about this escalating. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely do see your point there. And I do just want to say real quick, I'm uh, I'm not trying to, I'm uh, divert from what you just said, which I do think was a very, very, I'm uh, excellent. I'm a, I'm a series there. Um, I do have to leave here in the next few minutes. So if anyone has any final questions or anything like that, I'm uh, definitely feel free to throw them my way. Um, because I'm, uh, once I'm gone for the night, I'm gone for the night. So, um, cause, uh, apparently I have to work or some bullshit like that, you know? <laughs> so whether that be from the straight from the people in chat or I'm, uh, here on the podcast, definitely feel free to throw shit my way. Just not literal shit, please. I'm not into that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kind of intrigued by John's comment here because he's that he's he's oil and pharma horse in Washington D.C. Have our men and on the Polish-Ukraine border is bloodbath. They're praying for those troops to get killed so they can start rolling them out 10,000 at a time. And that just fucking echoes back in memory to Afghanistan, to the First Gulf War. You know, this is what the United States does. Yeah, and ultimately, um, uh, I think Putin is going to show very strong restraint to the west of Lviv, or Lviv. Um, so ultimately what you're going to see is, um, hold on, I'm just going to um, uh, pull up a map of the Ukraine real quick. I'm going to screen share briefly. Um, uh, let's see, open a new tab, F11. Okay, cool. So I'm just going to go ahead and screen share here. And I do apologize for me not having a, um, uh, let's see, is my screen sharing? Oh, it looks uh, like you need to let that in. I have to oh, add it. There, there we go. All right, cool. Okay, so um, I'm gonna have um, Lviv right here, and then you have like these um, a series of um, uh, of cities here that 
um, our relatively major um, with Lviv essentially becoming the diplomatic center for um, the Western powers. Because essentially the, the capital is probably already moved from Kiev over to the city right here. Um, what I think what we're going to see is we're not going to see Russia move any further west from Lviv um, uh, down here. And my guess is um, you're probably going to kind of see a bit of a uh, arc like this um, all the way up here from the Belarusian border down through here, through here, through here, through um, uh, um, uh, Chernivtsi. Sorry, I'm terrible with um, Ukrainian names. Down here to Moldova. Um, and that's going to be a little bit of a strip there. That's basically is going to be kind of a safe haven for um, uh, the Western part of the, for the Western powers of Ukraine. Um, and that's going to be to make sure that Putin doesn't accidentally trigger Article 5. Um, but accidentally doing a pot shot. That is a total guess. Um, I don't have any real evidence to back that up, which I hate making um, uh, assumptions without evidence. But um, I hope you. Um, uh, I hope you do see my point. For the unaware, could you explain the section five? Here and he. Creeping yeah, he's, out. He's just he's coming in like God. And <laughs> <laughs> almost like Lemon reincarnated. Um, but okay, so um, um, yeah. So, so basically, so basically, his question was about Article Five. Um, and so, yes. so just to what Article Five is is essentially if um, uh, attack one, attack all. So if um, uh, if Poland is attacked by Russian forces, that triggers Article Five, which means that every single NATO power is therefore obligated to come in and attack as if they've just been attacked themselves. Um, yeah. Article five has only ever been triggered once before in history and that was after 9-11. Um, Article four is essentially whenever there's a territorial concern um, that has been triggered five times and four of those times have been by Turkey, mostly due to the uh, war in Syria. All right, and I have time for uh, one more question. Probably looks Sorry. like you're looking at Trisha right now. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, is there anything it, it, else? It, it, <laughs> thank you, by the way. No problem. Thank yes, you for uh, you know actually tonight. joining us tonight, Wade. Yeah, I'm a. Well, not, not yeah, I'm a definitely. Oh, we're talking to Wade. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. We've been trying to get Italian. Wade on a show for but... so long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, uh, so um, uh, I just got an update. Um, uh, actually, it looks like that um, uh, Russian forces are directly attacking Kiev. Rob, do you oh, still wow. have that live stream open? Uh, hold on, it's not. Um, live. I do. I am not seeing anything on the feed, though. Yeah. Um, but I this saw is just hard from. Drive by. Yeah, I just saw that too. So this is actually from um, uh, um, this is actually breaking from a uh, Fox News. So take that for what it's worth, but. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so this is ultimately this is a really big um, uh, situation. Yeah, thanks, um, uh, Emily. Um, I do appreciate that. It's actually it's normally bright red. Um, I just kind of got lazy as shit and was like, you know, I don't feel like spending eight hours just dyeing my own hair. So I just started progressively washing out the um, uh, the red as much as I could. So now I'm kind of stuck with this um, pinkish shade with blonde in back. But it's okay though, because under the black light, it looks some um, uh, platinum blonde. So I'm kind of I kind of fuck with it. <laughs> 
well, if you ever decide to go red again, try Unicorn Hair by Lime Crime. It's um, deposit only, and it's like a thick conditioner. That's what I use for my purple, and it, it fucking turns out fabulous. Like, yeah, um, I definitely. <laughs> I actually just got a um, uh, um, just got a message on my stripper gram. Um, said that simply says "fuck Russia," um, which is um, kind of funny. So. I, I love libertarians are so much fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyways, guys, um, uh, thank you. Um, uh, thank you guys so much. And um, I definitely will go right again. I actually already have the hair dye. I just need to actually take the time out to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And um, if uh, if my knowledge is ever of um, uh, um, of importance again, I will definitely join you guys again if you're gracious if you're gracious enough to have me on. And uh, thank you so much and have a good, nice night, guys. You're, you're welcome. Thank you, Talia. Thank you. Uh, no problem. Also, I accept payment of beer and vodka, except <laughs> Russian standard vodka only. So I'm, uh, that's like $27 for like a 1.75 liter bottle. So, oh, you know, the SK fan. Okay. Probably yeah, unavailable. Um, actually, I did get a bottle of it today, Total Wine and More, um, uh, just to make sure because in case if it does get nice. sanctioned, no more imports. So, yeah. <laughs> it's going to have to maybe go back tomorrow and buy some more because it's like I go through like one of those every three months. Anyways, guys, I'm actually going to bounce, though. Thank you so much, and take care. Thank you. Come Thank back you. and join us. All right. All right, for sure. Bye. Good night. Nice. I learned a lot. Yeah, I didn't want to talk the whole time because I didn't want to, like, take away from that or anything. Because um, that's much-needed history on things. Um... I just don't trust the U.S.'s involvement with everything because if we have been notifying them for 70 years, we've been funding this. For, I mean, it's not all of Ukraine, obviously, but uh, I mean, as far as just, I mean, it's, I mean, I would say, sorry, my screen. I mean, like you look at the U.S. as a whole and it's gross, but like we live here. We're not horrible people. So I'm like not trying to say, but like whatever the US's involvement is with the government itself, it has been the better part of a hundred years. So while the US could make a good decision, it seems as though they're not going to because that's not what they've been doing to begin with. Um, and that's my only thing with any of it. Um, And I really don't feel like it takes much explanation to say why that would be a valid <coughs> have on the subject. Yeah. The U.S. is what would happen if you took a government, an organized crime syndicate, and a supervillain and mixed them all together. Yeah. You and know, anytime you try to say any of this, people, like I just sent you in the chat, um, he's like trying, people are trying to tell me that Russians are Nazis too. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Like we just talked about that. Maybe that's true, but we're not funding Russia to be that way. We are funding Ukraine to be that way. 
I mean, we don't, we don't care what they are. They could skin babies alive. As long as they're anti-communist, we'll fund them. And we're specifically That's... not allowed to post specific organization links on Facebook. This is not a .com that's a hate site that is the equivalent of Alex fucking Jones. This is a .org that we are not allowed to post on Maybe Facebook. declassified CIA documents. So, I mean, so something weird. is wrong here. I mean, obviously, there is a cultural thing that we don't understand between those two countries, but at the same time, we are involved in it, and that is a problem, because the U.S. never does anything that it should do. Pretty much. And the thing is, we've we've been involved in it in the wrong ways for too long already. Look, there's been, like, Blackwater and other... American mercenary companies going over there training soldiers and militia who are literal fucking Nazis. So, like, I guess to to reflect back on what we were talking about a little while ago, there is one place right there where we can draw a line of bad guy. <laughs> um, sure, but I mean, if you're we a fucking Nazi, you're not a good person. We were committing uh, domestic, you know, like terror attacks and. Uh, I say domestic because it just depends on the country and they will use their internal units or whatever to, to do that. But, um, you know, I've heard a little bit about Gladio, but when I started reading into it, I was, I was shocked at how far it went and how recent those attacks were and how blatant and flagrant they were. It's right. Pretty brutal. You're like, oh, oh, you want to. I want to address Natalie's question. I'm going to bring back up these um, battalion flags. Um, I, I guess we should um, also direct somehow toward that link that we can't post. Um, can you pop it in the comments? Um, I can pop you my screenshot if that's what you want. Maybe. In yeah. is maybe. Well, I mean, because I'm not, I don't have a YouTube account really. Yes, yes, all the time. Oh, here. I sent a screen, I've been able to send a screenshot to Facebook. Uh, so I sent, a, I sent a screenshot to the podcast chat. Or you can go to the Discord um, and find I don't it there. Have, or the, or the Slack. I don't have those laptop to be able to grab it. Um, but if you do have the link and can just copy and paste it into the private chat here. Oh, okay. And okay, I'll have to type it out. And I can put it this is in the comments from here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What y'all are seeing there is is this fascist ass fucking military that we were referring to. Um, Rob, if you are in our Slack, there's also photos there of McCain and others in U.S. government standing with said Nazi fascist fucking soldiers that our tellers have been proposing that. I shared that, by the way. Oh, I also sent that to Slack. Um, so I think he did share it first. I just didn't realize, and I sent it to Slack. Completely stole it from the chat. Yeah, I steal everything from him. He sends me really yeah, like and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was me. I know everything. I would like to interject here 
that while there is proof that they're fascist, there is no proof that they're ass fucking. Oh my god. I don't think. Fuck, I can't spell. I usually can. I usually can, but I can't right now. Damn it. So this article um, from from Jacoba saying, I'm going to put it in the comments, but (coughs) it's discussing not only the situation in Ukraine um, and how we're backing neo-Nazi fascists, but also, you know, like other times where we should have learned this lesson, but yet here we are again. Um, so that, that's not a direct answer to you, Natalie, but the, the point is is that they are literally neo-Nazis. They are, they are flying swastika flags. I sent um, it, I found it, and I didn't type the whole entire fucking thing out. Well, pulls up the page, it'll at least sufficient. I, I have it open. Copy and paste it. Okay. I, <clears throat> I don't think it's going to let you post it in the comments. On YouTube, it won't let you on Facebook or Twitter. It might not on YouTube either. Well, I'm at least going to try. If you can't, I sent a screenshot to the group. I don't know how we're supposed to deal with that if it doesn't. It posted. But then there's also this. It didn't didn't post. It only posted YouTube. Okay, I'm going to do this then. Uh, well, it's on YouTube. There you go. The link is on YouTube. Um, this article is from 2016. Bam! Um, it's fucking insane, and it won't let you post it anywhere. It's on the for video YouTube. now. They can't do yeah, shit about YouTube it. YouTube is stored in the Slack, I think. <laughs> Nice, that's I, it. So, uh, so when I posted it, it made it for a few minutes, um, and then when it got flagged in the chat, whatever, I was posting it, sending it to Chelsea, they secretly <laughs> it within a few minutes. No notification, nothing. Like, yeah, I've never seen that before. No, I was really mad because he sent it, like, towards the end of last week's show, and I was like, God damn it. And then uh, it actually turned out to be more relevant this week. So, and I'm glad now because it's not something we've already presented and now everybody has an opinion on it. Um, But we were already talking about all of this and now I just see a flood of Facebook talking about things like they know, like they've been watching it the whole time. And... People think I'm being cute when I call it fascist book. I'm not. I'm being literal. I agree with you there. It refused to post this one in the comments as well. So I'll just pop that I wasn't sure about that. That's what I thought. Um, I went ahead and obfuscated it, and I was able to post that on Facebook. But I never initially posted the raw link. Facebook actually had to admit in court that their fact checkers were a deeply conservative opinion think tank. I'm sharing the screenshot on the group and on Femtifa. Awesome. 
And so those facts are not facts. I imagine FBI affidavit, affidavit asserted that Azov, Azov Battalion, I don't know how to pronounce it, is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing United States-based white supremacy organizations. Yeah, they're talking about going over there and fighting on behalf of them during this battle. <laughs> Battle war, whatever keywords we don't want to call it, but um, they, uh, yeah, that that's actually that's. I mean, you know, the same shit happens uh, whenever uh, with the with the war in Syria. Um, I know there was like some German biker gangs. I think they might have been. I don't know if they're neo-Nazis or not, um, but you see them like slugging, slugging the rifles like uh, through the desert, still wearing the biker vests and shit. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm sure you're going to see similar shit going on over there. They're going to cross in right. through a bordering country. I mean, I'm all for... Nazis lining up as ducks on a duck shoot. Well, I kind of wonder if that's why the Russians... Um, so some of the Ukrainian separatists, I'm sure they didn't give a shit. They were going to take whoever they could back um, and use them. But um, from some of the stuff I read, like the, the Russians were doing similar things. Not that they were seeking out Nazis or whoever, um it was just they were for their cause and so they're going to back them whether or not it's because uh they're going to put them in the shit against um higher odds and maybe they're more likely to die because of it i think would be you know sort of a twisted irony to that but um i i think that that is uh it's just a culture problem that we we, the U.S., have helped perpetuate, along with create. I, uh... I would like to point out something that hasn't been pointed out yet uh, here recently, and that is there was a U.N. vote to make a worldwide uh, criminalization of Nazism, neo-Nazism, all things... Uh, of the fascist nature and while several con countries didn't vote for it many did but there were two countries that voted actually against it and that was ukraine and the u.s yeah i'm surprised that it, that it wasn't three countries i'm surprised poland wasn't in it as well no shit <laughs> I mean, Poland is also about as pretty fucking close as you can get. I mean, you, maybe you know, he was sick that day. You, you know what caused it? It was all those Polish jokes. It just got to them, and they they flipped this, and they just they took it out in the worst way possible. No I'm kidding. Um, I do kind of wonder. So, like, I have a live stream going right now. He's coverage of this this Russia thing, and uh, oh well, now they're talking about Trump. But 
I mean, they've showed, like, a grand total of, like, three still images and, like, ten seconds of video out of Ukraine, and they're trying to paint a whole picture around that. Right. One of, one of the things I was surprised was um, <laughs> when they talk about, like, um, I don't know. Wait, so, for one, you, you know, just like everybody else, like, I, I didn't expect Russia to actually do an invasion. <laughs> I thought it was going to be, um, <clears throat> you know, so some dick wagging and call it a day. Uh, but as long as they were doing that, um, sure, I know it's, it's not a complete surprise, I guess, by now, but I, I didn't think they would actually do, uh, I didn't think it would carry on this far. Um, one, one of the questions I did want to ask was I wondered how much our withdrawal from Afghanistan uh, impacted that decision to go forward with that. I mean, yeah, we, we don't have thousands of troops in Asia anymore. No, but I mean, just just the, that we highly publicize the fact that we're pulling out of Afghanistan, that Russia would use that to know that we're not just as as an added guarantee that we would not reinitiate the shit again, at least on such a short timeline. Without you know the people shitting further on Biden, which you know, fuck Biden, but. Yeah. I mean, I realize that that's the way we all do. But I was about to say, but thank you for saying it like an adult. Well, I'm never clever with my words. Sometimes he's not an adult either. It's true. <laughs> Same. Same. I mean, I wouldn't exactly call Let's Go Brandon clever. <laughs> it's really not. This is also true. I bet you're triggered, liberal. I just need my hot dogs delivered on time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man, that was such an issue last night. Where's our trolls? You know he can meet you. And you know it's bad when liberals roll their eyes. <laughs> right. Whoa, two top Manhattan prosecutors on the, the Trump case resigned. That's what that's interesting American news. Uh, they, it, yeah. it probably isn't as dramatic as it sounds. They probably just didn't get paid. <laughs> well, it's the prosecutors. It's the people that are. Oh, you said the prosecute. Okay, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder what kind of threats led up to that. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. I imagine they started looking into the money laundering. And like, oh shit. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a lot of higher-level politicians that are also tied up in. Oh, this. absolutely. I yeah. And business owners, of course. <laughs> when the evidence is that obvious, who else is getting fucked by this? You know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh wait a minute, that ties how, back to how me. How is Trump like making headlines right now with the fucking invasion of Ukraine happening? <laughs> this is literally a stream about Ukraine. Why? 
are they okay, so this talking is about completely, this is completely hypothetical but i've been thinking about this and this is not a praise obviously because he's repulsive but he is so rich and full of shit that maybe he actually quelled fucking tensions when he was in office with other countries because he knows how he likes his dick sucked and he knows how to make other dudes happy also. You 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 put it into your own words, but that's basically what I was trying to convey on the phone earlier. Okay. I don't like, I, 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 I think like, that was Trump's whole approach with food. I'm just saying Manafort was holding the camera. That must be the only reason we never went to war when that fucking douchebag was in office. It was the only good thing that he, like, it was just that he can talk stupid rich guy talk. No, nobody gave a shit. Who was just, I mean, he was a puppet for Putin. It's like, he wasn't gonna. I think he was more than a puppet for Putin. Hand up the ass kind of thing? I don't know if I want to use the word lover. But uh, <laughs> has a sweater with the two of them on it. It's a Christmas sweater. I can go get it real quick. That is beautiful. Do. They're riding a polar bear. She's like, go get off. it right. They're riding a polar bear. Is Putin shirtless? Hey, I still let's bring the vodka back. <laughs> if only I had some. Because we can't get it. We can't the get closest, it anymore. The closest thing I have is some grown-up popsicles in the freezer. <laughs> nice. Fuck you. <laughs> this is the coolest empty bottle that I've ever had. Um, man, I don't know if we're ever going to get to buy this again. I could sell this for $1,000 maybe. I, you might want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> We'll fucking grab a bottle when you go back into work. <laughs> See Rob would use it as a base. He'd be like, this is the last vodka bottle, and I didn't even get to taste the vodka. I sure didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they made good vodka. It was really good. We were buying that for a long time. Time out, time out. Did you just really have to specify that the Russians make good vodka? Yeah, I know. But yes. it was weird that it found it in Oklahoma. So... But now we can't get it. It's been like That's a year, fair. year and a half. Oh, really? Damn. I wonder how much of a run there is on vodka. And probably quite a lot. See if you can order. Okay, something. so right now Fox News has the founder of an organization called Just Point. Um, I'm gonna Google Just Point and see if he's a Nazi. Can you not find it? I didn't find it. I, I'm wondering if I threw it away, but I do have a picture of it. So Why would you throw it away? For obvious reasons. Because um, you thought that this nightmare would end? This nightmare never ends. Because when people see it, they, <laughs> you know, they think it's uh, John Candy and John Malkovich riding a polar bear naked. Um, here, I'll just... I mean, that would still be a fun party topic. Right. Like... <laughs> That that sounds like fun. <laughs> Here I'll I'll post it. I do have a picture somewhere. 
of it because I accidentally changed it to my profile picture uh, the other night. <laughs> so it exists. It exists. I think it. I think it arrived like after Christmas when he initially. No, it was before it. because I wore it to your family's Christmas. Oh, that was the wait. Was that my mom or my dad? Uh, definitely your dad. That was the last time my father saw me. He never said a word. <laughs> and he's wearing this Putin fucking Trump sweater at Christmas. That was the first time they ever met him, and that was the last time they ever met him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dude, that's dope. That's funny. I didn't. I did not remember that. That is fucking priceless. Okay. That is funny. I love learning things I didn't know. This uh, like looking for information on Western media is like looking for a fucking needle in a haystack. Yeah. Always gets interesting. That's the don't want to cover that. NATO condemns Russia's quote brutal act of war in Ukraine. How oh yeah, the uh, the it's Russians like a bar scene I want to know at what point is it considered an act of war versus considered um, military a, action? Well, a humanitarian fucking aid to the people there in Ukraine who are in those two independent regions that are ethnic Russians going. Fuck, we're getting shelled every fucking day. Um, help, help. Okay, like if it was, you know, a scenario of the United States stepping in to help one of our neighbors, they were being assaulted by whoever was on the other side. You know, people would look at that different, but it's since it's Russia stepping in, I see it as humanitarian aid to a certain extent. Of Taking them out as a protectorate. Well, but that's not the NATO narrative because the only thing that's considered humanitarian aid is NATO backed. That. Like, if you're not NATO, then it must not be to help the people there. Like, what? I mean, why would they step away from uh, vilifying Russia at this point? You should probably delete that on third eye. Why? Because. My, my sweater? Yes. Why? Do no, I haven't. I'm, I'm a person that wears sweaters. No, I think it's a good place for that. But, okay, well, I mean, he might listen to it. I, I just remember an experience that we all had the other day. So. <laughs> I felt that it would be taken in a different context. Oh, they totally would have thought it was John Candy and John Malkovich. I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. Uh, and uh, tell you 
about what's playing out in Kiev right now. Those images clearly doesn't look good for Ukraine right now. And it was only a matter of time because with no military support coming in, Gaurav, for Ukraine, there is a concern how Ukraine can put up a fight. Ukraine, why, all through the day on India Today have been saying, give us military support, help us, send us military, send us aid. That's not happened. It's only been sanctions endlessly on Russia. They didn't get weapons and ammo. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, time out. Haven't we been arming them for like fucking seventy years? <laughs> hey, even Germany sent them some helmets. <laughs> is reporting from Mariupol, eastern Ukraine, where there have been multiple incidents and reports of bombing and explosion that's been reported. We're putting out on our screens right now what's playing out in Kiev. From early this morning, it's 8.30 here in India, in Kiev, it's about 5 in the morning. So you can imagine that right now, uh, and the entire night sky there lit up with a series of bombs, with a series of missiles. Okay, we're getting you these images as you can see there from, from Kiev uh, and uh, the explosions that are rocking the capital city right now. Remember that it's about 5 a.m. in the morning right now. So residents haven't had a wink of sleep. They're very, very concerned for obvious reasons about... Yeah, I mean, I'm getting shit about sleep right now. Yeah, right, right. Um, I don't know if this, uh, video format is spent, like, I'm, I'm done with it. Fucking ads on it. It's just, uh, B-roll footage from the Iraq war. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> it's been known to happen. Shit, <clears throat> recorded the, you know, it was actually footage from elsewhere. But Cuba. <laughs> or should I say Miami? Same thing, right? Right. I mean we're only talking um maybe 150, 200 miles. I know it's ninety miles off of Key West, but it's also quite a drive from Miami down uh overseas highway so i know when uh Belarus was talking about hosting nuclear weapons uh for russia that two weeks prior the u.s had announced like i don't know why you would do this but the u.s had announced they're sending their uh stealth bombers with nuclear payloads to britain like i don't know why you would post a story about that yeah right need um, so one thing that I'm noting on here uh, in this video, well, first of all, there was like a lights out order given tonight, right? Like everybody was supposed to turn off their lights at 11 p.m. local time. Um, but, I mean, Putin said in his speech when he basically declared war, civilians were going to more or less be safe, right? And any videos that I've seen from civilian areas have been, you know, more or less uh, what you're seeing 
in this video. They're far off airstrikes. Right. Nothing happening there. Yeah, right. from what I saw, that they they targeted uh, industrial areas and like, uh, I mean, obviously the airport and things like that. They wanted to disable any. Uh, well, the airport they didn't even want to disable from the sounds of it. They wanted to be able to use it to bring in more troops, or at least that's what the West was claiming. I think they probably would have wanted to destroy it because they can bring plenty of troops over land. Right. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is um, so along with those self bombers, uh, the U.S. likes to brag a lot, and then we quiet down before conflict happens. But a few weeks prior, they were talking about what they were sending over, what and what. Well, I mean, because honestly, I don't think anybody expected it to actually happen. And so, like, oh, shit. Well, we, you know, we played our cards already, but. <laughs> Like, but 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 we could intervene. It's I don't know. The U.S. is sitting on their hands because they have to. Agreed. Just like China's. I mean, not not that. Oh my God! Know. Yeah, dude. China China's kind of been funny to watch because the whole about what they're saying piss off russia and they don't want to piss off nato they, they don't want to escalate this outside like right. i mean everybody sees this as a local issue that could be something much much worse when you have a country that's hosting nuclear weapons just in case of a retaliatory uh, measure rightfully so uh well i don't know if that's right but um that's what I That's saw what reporting they do. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's the biggest stick they got, so why not hold it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. But but then we're also placing, you know, strategic stealth bombers in Britain just in case. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and we did it first. Before Blaris uh, said they were gonna, you know, if they if if something did happen that they would retaliate, it's like we 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 laid our car down. <laughs> mm. Ukrainian Dancing with the Stars. I'm gonna unmute this. Oh, and I must apologize. Uh, no, I honestly am emotional. It's been a little difficult, but I want to go back home, and that I have, uh, I have, the, I have way too. You know, I realized that I have a different passport, and, and my family is far away, and. Um, what I'm realizing is that my friends whose kids are here and <clears throat> whose mom's dads are here and elderly people are here and they, they can't just just escape. Yeah, they can't. One of the people he's describing, 
the people who are trapped in Ukraine is Zoe Anutu. She is a 27-year-old student who has been in Ukraine since 2019, and she posted this a little earlier today. The situation is very tense right now. As you can see, I'm at the mall, and the mall is empty. Like, um, the state of emergency has been declared for people in Ukraine. And, oh my word, let me not go here. <sighs> like, it's so, so scary. I'm so scared, guys. Yeah, no shit. I'd be scared too if I was Zoe Anutra joins us live now. Um, yeah. For someone who's scared, Zoe, it's amazing. Uh, you seem very together and calm, but I know it's got to be very hard for you as you try to figure out your next moves. Are you safe right now? Um, right now, I'm in a position where I can't say I'm safe because I'm alone in my apartment uh, right now as we speak because um, we're trying uh, to get our way out of uh, our city because our, my city right now is in the eastern part of Ukraine where everything right me. And um, we got the confirmation from our president today, the Zambian president, that we should uh, evacuate from this place. But now, unfortunately, I cannot move out of my city because um, all the transportation to a different city has been closed up. So I'm just stuck in my apartment, not knowing what to do. And um, today, actually rather yesterday when I, I went to the mall in the morning, all the, the ATMs were not working for me to get any money to buy foodstuffs and everything. Uh, not until later in the afternoon, as you saw in the video, where I had access to see uh, people withdrawing money from the ATMs. And uh, that actually took so long because there were a lot of queues where people were struggling to just get a little money in order to get food uh, from the stores. This you is know, really Zoe. frightening yeah. and really scary. I, I want to give a little bit of context to that. The reason they have to pull cash out to buy food from their local stores is, at least according to the West, uh, due to Russian cyber attacks. So, like... A lot of card systems. So, uh, yeah. okay. a, a lot of card systems were were apparently impacted, um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if I was in Ukraine, I would feel very much the same way. Um, right. You know, they they have no real way to know if Putin's gonna stick to his word and you know like do his best to keep civilians out of harm way um and i mean on top of that like do you trust the soldiers to have that like judgment i guess oh come on that 19 year old that's uh, operating the um that's operating the the border watcher or the you know that's that's firing artillery shells i'm sure he aims right every time right right or, you know, like bad intel happens and wrong coordinates get fired upon. I mean, mistakes do happen and warfare is warfare. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it would be impossible to be in the middle of that. And, and it sounds like it's so much just like apprehension and tension. Uh, you know, like, not to say that there hasn't been things going on today. Obviously, there has. Um, 
but I, I think that the West is trying to paint it into this panic, panic picture, and I, I don't, I don't know that it should be. At least to the extent that it is. And so, um, of course, we should be sympathetic with the citizens of Ukraine. Um, but much like here, we have to differentiate between the people and the government. And the government. Right. I, I think one of the good things, uh, or one of the silver linings on this invasion compared to something earlier in like 2008, um, and so I kind of hinted at this uh, earlier, when I was talking about sourcing, uh, not weapons, but uh, specifically what what I had read about, I was still surprised about, is that um, it was U.S. companies that were manufacturing some of the uh, the bulletproof vests, the Kevlar suits, and things like that that Russians were using for Russia for their military, and um, the difference between so so when they invaded Georgia. They, they realized how outdated their equipment was. You had soldiers on the ground using their fucking cell phones to call in whoever called airstrikes. They had no um, communication. Like, like it was all outdated. Uh, and that led to a lot of mistakes. And so fortunately, they've updated that since then. So hopefully that reduces um, civilian casualties when doing shit like this. For me, I think that um, us talking about the civilian casualties between these two countries and what is actually happening right now and ignoring the fact that this is directly our fault, mm -hmm. then I don't know why we're even like talk. I mean, I've showed you screenshots of other people talking to me, acting like we're defending things. And the fact of the matter is, is that we can listen to the details of it culturally from someone else and that was very valuable and that was good but at the same time what we're not focusing on is that this is happening because of us yeah and it, we're acting like we're just reacting to it and we're not yeah. this is the plan the entire time and until we realize that involvement in this was completely planned from the entire from the beginning then we're not really going to have any accurate take on it. Uh, you, Ukraine is kind of like Israel in that it's our foothold in the region where we absolutely can't get one. Yeah. So I just think it's and stupid it's, and it's been that way since the time of the fucking when It's our fault that we're here right now. It is the U.S.'s fault that this is happening right now. It's just that no one else knows that, and everybody else has an opinion pretending that that is not the background of all of this. Sorry, uh, Robin, I didn't hear you. I mean, to be fair, it usually is. Well, and I know, but that's why I'm saying that. I'm just saying what I'm hearing a lot in the conversation about this is that we're talking about two foreign countries. One's good, one's bad. And, I mean, even the ones that are um, not for Ukraine can still sound like one's good, one's bad. The reality of the situation is that we're not choosing sides here. We are saying that the U.S. has been involved through the CIA with Ukraine for 70 years and everyone's acting like it's a foreign issue and it's not. Yeah, I mean, we, 
the U.S. specifically has had their hands in Ukraine since the time of the Kulaks, and that was, what, 1937? Um, he... Uh, no, no, I heard you say that earlier, um, uh, like, sorry, sorry, not earlier, um, or, or sorry, like, like a few minutes ago, I was asking what, uh, you had started the talk, and, um, I, I didn't hear you. Uh, oh, I, I think I literally just said it over. Okay. I uh, thought that, that's what I was starting I was to say that. was that, uh, yeah, I was starting to say that the U.S. has had their hands in Ukraine since uh, the time of the Kulaks. And I mean, that's And it makes sense that when the Soviet Union fell, that the U.S. had to get their hands in there as deeply as they could. And... I mean, you know, now we've gotten to the point of backing literal neo-Nazis because they're anti-Russian and for nothing else alone. Yeah, that's kind of why, so one of the, one of the reasons I brought up like the, the homophobia is to kind of like, it's like, you can't, you can't pick a side, like, but, right. you know, you, you have to, you have to pick your context and why things are going the way that, like, you, you can't just do it on, um, just whatever the, the the cultural mentality is for whatever country, like that that doesn't that doesn't line up. If if yeah. you if you do that, you're going to be upset with whatever side yeah. you choose. But like, that's what they're to, doing. I mean, it's like yeah, they're I picking a, they're picking a political party again, but it has nothing to do with them, and they don't know what they're talking about. It's, Whereas, it's, like, I mean, you don't always have to pick a side. Obviously, we haven't picked a side because those sides are all to the right. So. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of this is but to kind of show United like United States patriotism. But it seems like it's a it's a right left situation again, and but except this time they know even less about it than they did when it was voting for elections. Accurate. I mean, literally overnight, I started to see people that I know in real life that do not talk about politics. Start to act. They probably they can't point out Russia, Russia or Ukraine on a map. What? <laughs> I, I said people that probably can't point to Russia or Ukraine on yeah. a map. Let alone Moldova, Crimea, any of those. Hey, Trisha, um, do you remember the hot old guy? Which one? Oh, at the bar? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Awful. 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 Oh no! Bad takes on this. Awful! Awful! God damn it! That's disappointing. Very emotional. Very emotional. As it, he he acts like he's been to Ukraine, which is like oh, you're like cool if you had like a real take, but like he's very much so. It just, I've like, seen it. It's just as cold as you would imagine. I'm just like okay, cool. If you have, but like, where are you shitting on the U.S. in this? That's all I want to see. I just want to make you acknowledge. Right. That the U.S. is not going to fix whatever it is that you think. Like, can we just no? That? Yeah, the U.S. created the problem <laughs> by Nazifying the fuck out of Ukraine since 19 fucking. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to start. Um, this government is not going to. I just it. realized I, I asked you on the live stream if you remember the hot old guy, and then you did remember which oh. one. So. <laughs> it took a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like ah. Uh, the yellow brick road. Yes. <laughs> that one. That is amusing. Uh, there's there's a question. Uh, thoughts on World War Three? And my particular take on it is, 
it's speculative and I'm not much interested in the speculation. What I will say is this, though. I think that we are seeing, much like we did before World War One or World War Two, we're seeing the world take sides. The only so, way- I mean, could that escalate? Yes, but I don't want to think about that possibility. Neither do I, especially not with the amount of disinformation and outright lies and the general ignorance of people going on as per usual, but still. It right. could de-escalate I mean, again for a little bit, just as quick, just as quickly as it escalated. And every country is running their own psyops campaign. And specifically, uh, I think with the quote, uh, "I don't know what weapons World War Three would be fought with." I don't like that quote. It just sounds cliche to me. But if we're thinking in those terms, I think that. Um, if we don't know what terms World War Three will be fought in, that um, sometimes those countries are just feeling it out still because they don't know either. Because we have different technology, there's different reasons for them to kind of poke themselves and then pull back a little bit because we're not all entirely sure how uh, our technology could combat against others all of the time. So this could still take a while. And the good part is everybody's avoiding a direct conflict. China's, you know, kept themselves. They won't, like, you know, they're careful about the Burbage, everything, of course. Um, the U.S., for the most part, I mean, we do this show all the time. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just back this. It's like a knee-jerk reaction, U.S. standpoint. They can't help themselves. Um, and then Russia, they don't, I, I think they're being very careful when they chose to actually pull the trigger on this to invade there. Um, I mean, like I, I wasn't aware of how much they were taking an economic hit on it, but they're still doing it. So, but they're still being careful. They're treading lightly as far as pissing off NATO. Right. And I think they're very specific in where they target. And I think Talia hit the nail on the head earlier when she said that, you know, it's only going to end up actually probably going to that point of NATO involvement if he were to attack one of the nations that's in NATO where they would be obligated to get involved. Then I could see it possibly developing to World War Three, but I don't honestly see Putin doing that, you know, I think he's no, like she said, Putin is not a dumb man. Right. Like, I, I think he's going to continue to be very specific about where he's bombing, shelling, sending soldiers, whatever. Because in the end, he wants the economic side of shit to work out well, too. He wants to keep that oil pipeline. He wants to fucking be able to continue trade and probably cut back on some of them fucking sanctions. I don't see him going and attacking a NATO country. Sure. Uh, Yeah, and he has his card to play, and that is supplying gas to Europe. (laughs) I mean, that's that's how he gets people to listen. Right. That is, you know, I think that the real reason that Ukraine wanted that concession from Germany, to be honest, is that there is already pipelines going through Ukraine and they get a cut. 
Yeah. Sure, that's fucking sad. And they're not going to get a cut on this one. It bypasses Ukraine. Right. So they're probably salty about that. But, I mean, if they were drawing the line at we're, we're not going to run this pipeline through Nazi territory, I can't blame them. And Ukraine's sort of its own, um, I don't know, it's it's another Cyprus. You know, they've, they've sort of cracked down on, on Cyprus as far as, you know, it's more, don't get me wrong, there's a bunch of shell companies obviously operate through there, just not as freely as they once did. Um, but there's still quite a bit of money that's laundered through Ukraine, as I, as I assume, like any... You have French countries with that many uh, trade embargoes and things running along the border that just naturally necessitates that kind of enterprise. You're you're just going to have that. Um, and I, U.S. takes advantage um, for sure. Don't mind me. I had to close the window. So like climbing over dogs to get to it. And now Sarah's looking at me like, fucker, you were my pillow. I can be again. <laughs> um, yeah, so one of the documentaries I watched, uh, you definitely have people pretending to, to, or well, they're like, don't acknowledge me as a volunteer. Don't acknowledge me. As, I mean, because they have militia fighters, whatever, whatever they can gather that they technically can't have his fighters doing that. Right. And there's the sweater. Oh, yeah. I had to I had to share this sweater, by the way. <laughs> I'm so glad you did too. <laughs> Dude, that is fucking epic. Where did you get that? Amazon. Okay. That's fucking funny. Dude. I dig it. I don't know where it's at. Um, anyway, I still got to eat dinner, so I'm not... Obviously, you have the controls, too, so I'm not going to, like, end the stream or anything, but I am going to take off. Right on. Go eat. Uh, <laughs> You've earned it. Yeah. It's a long day. Thank you for helping me set up the solar today. That was dope of you. And I, like, I have, like, space for activities in my office studio thing right that was a lot of work too that looks nice in there with everything organized i dig it i even back actually i can't say i vacuum vacuum <laughs> the vacuuming was done thank you emily yes. <laughs> well and, uh, yeah anyway um I'm, I'm glad that we got to talk about this. Obviously, there's a whole lot to the situation, and I'm sure we'll still be talking about it next week, although it probably won't be for the whole stream. <laughs> right. This uh, this was a lot to dissect tonight, and I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, I definitely learned a lot. This was uh, this was definitely a lot of fun, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty ignorant of a lot of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was so helpful to have talia on and be able to pick her brain about the things going on there and get some context that none of us were aware of 
as well as some history lesson there. Like, cause all of that does come into play. You know, this, this isn't some recent development. This has been growing and coming to a head for decades. Yeah, literally, literally. And I mean, this conflict that we're acting, when I say we, I mean, Western media, this conflict that we're acting like just started today with Putin's advancement has been going on for eight years. The, the royal we, I, I was doing that a lot too. <laughs> Can't help myself. <laughs> Dude, it's such a hard habit to break. Right. Especially in that context of attaching oneself to the government. And it's like, no, I would like to not be looked at in relation to what this fucking government does. So we have to stop calling it our our government, our military. It's not ours. It's not under our control or it wouldn't be doing the fucked up shit that it is. No, Natalie, I get it. When when I first started looking, I was so glad when Talia finally started like speaking up about it because like when I was doing my own research, it's hard to find anything that's not approved by, you know, the State Department or the head of CNN or what the fuck ever. And they're all just beating the war drums. That's 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 all it is. It's fucking chess beating or fucking dick wagging, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty much the entire Western perspective on it. It's which really surprises me in, in terms of Germany, but um, I'll leave that alone, I guess. But did, didn't they say like never again? I, I mean, the the fact that that Germany is capitulating to what Ukraine wants at all is mind blowing. Let alone that, you know, Germany is supporting Ukraine. Right. That I find just revolting. But Germany has had its own very real recent problem with Nazification as well. I mean, obviously, they can't be as blatant about it. Germany is. Uh, well, but, you know, Germany uh, wasn't sending weapons over. They were trying to just they have a vested interest in keeping the peace. Um, yeah, the U.S. I mean, it, I I think it's because you know, like like the U.S. isn't. They're like, well, we thought you were pointing a gun at us, you know, three thousand miles away. We take offense to that, and so we're going to just steamroll your country. Fuck it. Um, there's operating like policy. what? what? <laughs> we thought you had a weapon. Here we are again. Sorry. Started firing. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's not forget that when Western media started all this discussion about Russia and Ukraine, so much of it was like, I, I totally lost my train of thought there. Wow. <laughs> they just kind of had, um, they already had their scripts written because they've been written yeah. for the last 60 years. <laughs> 70 years. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like wash, rinse, and repeat at this point, right? When do we, as like citizens of the so-called United States, say enough is enough and stand the fuck up? Like, 
when do how I guess do we retake and reshape the narrative? Right. Uh, there there was something I didn't have a chance to ask that kind of escaped my mind, but um, so when Obama was president, he basically signed away the rights to Arctic drilling to Russia because at the time, um, well, we were fracking pretty heavily. Uh, so the, the U.S. was kind of going more towards that route. And the U.S. had such an abundance of oil, they felt like it wasn't worth the hassle. And I kind of wondered if that would be a point of contention later on. Um, because, like, literally, there was, a, there was an agreement with... Uh, I don't know if it was with the United Nations or what, but uh, they I, they let it exp like like uh, when Obama was president, he let it expire in like 2015. Um, and so that that was actually kind of the thing that I thought, like back then when I read it, that would cause. I don't know that that would cause a fight between the U.S. and Russia later on. I really didn't expect Ukraine. But I also didn't know shit at the time, so uh, which you know reflects me now. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm hungry. <laughs> All right, go eat. Hi, hungry. Um, <laughs> I'm yelling at people, so it's fine. Hi, yelling at people. Are you busting a caps lock on them? Yeah, well, I unfollowed because I knew I was going to get another ban if I kept going. So that's fine. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, we get enough bans. Fucking Facebook jail time. People start things with me and then they act like I started the thing with them. And I'm right. just like, watch how quickly I can leave. I can. It's fine. So I did. It's fun. Save yourself the jail time. There's no bail in Zuckerberg's jail. And I also don't know them. They said, you're a full-blown, full okay, sorry. They said, you're a full-blown communist. And that's yeah. apparent. And a, and a Stalin supporter based on your cover photo. And, and so my cover photo is that bar in Oklahoma City that has no and so that's what I said because like because we were at that bar and we were like who is that other person because if you're familiar with that photo at all you're like that person doesn't belong there who the fuck is that and so we asked the bartender and he's like that's Woody Guthrie and so I said well uh apparently you're was... not very familiar with the subject and uh that's a local bar and if you hate me, then you hate Woody Guthrie. So that's what I, I said to them. I honestly... I, that was, I don't know. I, I handled it as long as I could. And then I was like, I'm going to start cussing. So I had to leave. <laughs> I honestly thought it was the guitarist for Rage Against the Machine. I had no idea. I don't, was, I don't post Stalin shit, except for that one Bernie <laughs> meme and my fucking cover photo. Like, I just don't even get it. Yeah, I was really trying to figure it out. And... Uh, I mean, it was, or uh, was it Morello or whatever? Or it, it was, it was because of the the hat. That's that's why I thought 
Well, and for reference, the weird thing is that the person that is calling me a full-blown communist and trying to shame me and telling me that I'm a tool um, is a blue-haired, not-straight cis person. And so I'm just like, okay, the liberals are coming after us now. You'd think at least they would be aware at least not be fucking liberal do harder you're fucking consorting with neo-nazi bullshit that's what this government is doing and they're like they i'll say they because i don't know they're attacking me and it's not like super hardcore but i'm just wondering how this is really going to start to go because this is the first time that i've seen a split this big um that is not involved in like i mean i did a lot of work a long time ago to not have these people um on my facebook friends and stuff i started cutting people out like five years ago like not letting people see anything of mine and like only if i fucking like you you can see any of this and now like overnight there are a lot of people that I don't want to talk to or that I don't really feel like they have a grasp on anything. And it's fucking creepy because it's like, I don't need to take a stance on what the problem is over there. What I'm taking a stance on is why we're talking about it because we shouldn't have anything to do with this, but we are the reason that this is happening. And now everybody's acting like we should just do something about it. Yeah, like so, when we've been making it happen, like I just don't know. So far, my former We're friends be really have just hard, been I think. quietly defending me. They won't, they won't uh, argue with me or anything. So I guess I'm lucky in that regard. Kind of wish they would. Like, if you're on your way out, you might as well just, you know, air your grievances. Right. <laughs> like here, fuck you, and this is why. Be an adult. <laughs> You know, I mean, who knows? They could deactivate their account, but um, I doubt it. <laughs> it it's one of those things where you know it's like, okay, if you disagree that hardcore and don't want to have a conversation about it, then I don't know what to tell you because it's not just a difference of political perspective; it's a difference in ethics, and that matters to me. I'm sure that matters to you too. So if if those people are failing in those ethical standards, then do you really want them around? Fuck. No yeah. lot. You know? Like, it's their loss. They they could have stuck around and learned something, maybe grown as a person, but if you can't make them. They don't want to. Yeah. I kind of wish... Uh... I don't know, on some people that I just never looked at the profile or anything at all, just to remain ignorant. Um, so I was telling Chelsea about a, a cousin of mine that owns, uh, he actually bought off another cousin of mine. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a small ammo company. He makes ammo and everything. And, um, He'll post things on occasion. My dad will share it. Um, but it was just... His personality and everything from what I what I see that he's posted is just dog shit. Um, just... 
not not a real big thinker. <laughs> it's the nicest way I could say it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of those on the interwebs these days, and it's kind of sad. Like, come on, you know that that fatty tissue in your head. Please use it here. Have some resources. <laughs> Like, that's what I don't get about, you know, people forming opinions without actually looking into something, because you're only supposed to form an opinion based on knowledge, based on facts and go, OK, this is what's happening here. Therefore, my stance on it is this, you know, like it, you can't draw conclusions of my stance is this. If you don't have anything to fucking base it on, most of them are just basing it on whatever the fucking TV tells them to think. Willful and loud ignorance is more of a pandemic than COVID-19 could ever be. Right. It really is. Well, yeah, look at the statistics here. <laughs> I'm getting fucking chilly here, so. Oh, you're chilly? Oh, you're chilly? Or, or yes. Like a, a, Dude, the when you have like, house, so I'm really messing honest. with you. I'm messing with you, <laughs> but it is I know. 20 but it, degrees. Get Fair. the cheese and crackers. It's really harsh when you have like a 35 to 40 degree average temperature drop from day to night. It hits you hard. <laughs> and your weather there has been quite fucking temperamental too. So I, I know you can relate, <laughs> but it happens every day. You go from needing the fucking AC during the day to needing the heat on at night. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't buy my pack of cigarettes today. I was going to do that, but I figured I wouldn't because I didn't want to take the truck in the snow. Or, well, there's no snow. There's just ice. But... I need to get weed tomorrow. Technically, I didn't finish my project today, so um, maybe this weekend I'll get it and buy a pack. It's my reward for finishing this forever project. Cigarettes are bad for you, and they're dumb, and it's not a reward. It's a fucking murdered weapon. But if you're using it on yourself, does that really count? Yeah, it's only K-12, but... <laughs> Eight minutes at a time of our lives, potentially. I'm about to light another one right now. So I'll just rub it in. <laughs> well, I mean, if I could pass you one, I totally would. <laughs> but, you know. I know. It's probably better I don't. I'll make I it for it. <laughs> this, uh... My puppy. <laughs> this seems like a good place to have ended our stream a while back. I've seen your message now. <laughs> and I was sort of having the same thought, but um Yeah, we're at two and a half hours. And yeah, and we don't have anything else to say. Let's go bitch. Let's go bitch at this one guy that we know. His name starts with a we know what it starts with. 
<laughs> Are we going now? God, I yeah, feel like I'm really on video now. You just you, like you got to give me a second to, to find what? the thing and the stuff, and then I can do the thing. There we go. Okay, I have to screen share. You, you got to remember, I'm learning my way around the software still. There we go. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This has been fucking awesome. We will see you next week. Anybody else want to say anything before I get this music playing? Bye, bitches. There we Have go. a good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you have to click share system audio, Tricia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Now it's not. Give me, there it is. Okay. This is this is too much. Aha. Yes, share, motherfucker. All right. No. There we go. <laughs> All right. That was awkward. You're probably used to our awkward sign-offs by now. Have a good night, y'all.